0: Well, it's good to have uh, some people with us today that might be their first Sunday, and that is some of the first and second graders are here with us today. Good to see you guys. So, if you don't know it, we have children's church that goes on uh, during the worship service, and uh, on occasion we have those kids come in and be with us. since this morning is one of those mornings, and so uh, that's pretty neat to have them here now. I will say that it really wasn't our original plan to have them with us this morning during the, fir- during the uh, first week of the month, um, but quite honestly, we have a need of, for somebody to minister in that area. And so if you have a desire to really help us out and work with those children, if God's calling you to that, I encourage you to share your life with those kids and really leave a legacy into their lives. And so they're with us this morning, and I'm really glad of that, and uh, you guys stay with us, little guys, okay, you'll, you'll follow along, and here's, what, here's the deal. If you're a first or second grader and you don't know what to do, all right, you might be a little nervous. It's real easy. Just look at your mom and dad. Look down the aisle at your dad and your mom. They're showing you what you do when we gather here and worship. You don't know what to do? Just look at dad. He's showing you exactly what they do, what we do when we worship. And that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing. Let's have a word of prayer together before we go any further. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your work in our life. God, you're so good to us. And I pray, Lord, that we would really get a taste of that today as we look to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would show us how good, how awesome, how true he is. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's amazing the difference that two weeks time can make, you know, just two weeks ago we were talking about what was happening in Charlottesville as we saw people literally fighting in the streets and it moved a lot of us. I know it moved me It moved me in my heart to see that. And now here we are just two weeks later and now the images from the news are very different. I got some pictures here from Houston that kind of demonstrate some of the stuff that we're seeing now. And it's amazing the difference that two weeks can make. Were you impacted by some of the images that we saw? I know I was. Houston, the fourth largest city in the U.S. I had no idea that that was true. The fourth most populated city in the country. Hit by a major hurricane. Hurricane Henry, I believe. And what, what did I get that right? Harvey, thank you. I knew it was wrong. How many of you know sometimes when you say something and a minute comes out of your mouth, you know that was wrong? Harvey, thank you. I do know this, that in some areas over 50 inches of rain fell and flooding like we've never seen in our country was experienced, at least that we're aware of i tell you something else, as I saw that, um, certainly it showed me the truth that if it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and God broke open the, the springs of the earth, that the world could be covered by water. We saw that. We saw that. But one of the things that struck me was we saw people who came together for a greater purpose. We saw people who were helping one another. We saw people that were, that were sacrificing to meet other people's needs. And so this week, as I watched that, I, I wondered in my heart, Lord, what's the difference? What's the difference in now and two weeks ago? What's the difference? Let me tell you what it isn't. Let me tell you what it isn't. It's not that the people in Houston are good people. They aren't. They're no different than people in Charlottesville. They're just like you and me. It's not that, you know, man reached down into his gut and found that goodness and then revealed it. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. I'll tell you, I'll give you a little hint. Next week, the news very well may be bad. What we're seeing right now in Houston isn't going to stick. That's not the way that human beings operate. So what's the difference? What's the difference? I think the difference is we saw in, in a community, we saw what happens when people get a bigger picture. You know, when everything you own is getting washed away, the little petty things of life are very, very insignificant. And just for just a, just a glimpse of time, just for a little bit of time, human beings forgot and are forgetting About the petty things of this earth. You know, when you got 50 inches of water in your home, exactly what's going on at work, and the little argument you're having with your spouse, and the thing that that person said at your church, and the home that you have, and the condition of your car, those things get real small, don't they? They get real small. And as I watched the news this week, and as I saw what was happening, it reminded me of a very important truth that really aligns with what we want to talk about today, and that's this. Folks, we were made for a larger purpose. We were made for something bigger than the little petty things that we get so fixated on. And your vision matters, your vision matters. Your ability to see the big things of life, it matters. When we get stuck on these little petty things, they rob us. When, we see, when our vision gets so small to my here and now, to the thing that really, really matters to me and my selfish desires, when I get there, when I get that kind of tunnel vision where all I see is me and what I want, we are robbed Listen, those people in Houston, oh, they're suffering. And I would say this, just as parentheses, okay? I'd love to see Center for Bible Church do something in Houston. If God is in your heart to do something as a body of believers in Houston, please lead us in that way. I would love to have some of our body come together and go down there and do something. Yeah, we could the organization i would encourage you to go to i know there's a lot of great ones out there but the thing that really that i've had experience with is samaritans purse i've found them to be a very good organization that would be a, that would be a, a starting place for you to investigate of what could we do Now. Ah, there we go. Okay. I've I've got to be part of that type of an experience. A few years ago, some of us in the room went down to New Orleans after Katrina and got and got to be part of that effort to, to help those people. And just just for a moment, you're able to rise above the petty things. Now let's learn from that. Let's learn from that. And let's look today to the Lord Jesus who was able to rise above the petty things of this earth and have the proper vision of what we were made for. We want to rise above the garbage of this life, the things that really just call for our attention. And we want to have the kind of eyes that Jesus had. We want to look to him and we want to see how he operated Go with me in your Bible. Let's start here. Go with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. And, and let's just take really what we want to do today. is we, My focus today is to look to Jesus' example and to understand how we are to have a proper vision for this life and how we don't get all bogged down with the little petty things that will ruin you. The petty things will ruin you and they'll rob you. If we get consumed with the petty things, we're robbed of the refreshment that God has in store for you. God wants to refresh you in His Spirit, and the petty things rob you of that. They rob you of the sense of urgency, of things that really do matter. When we get stuck with the petty things, the urgent things, they're robbed from us. So we lose that adventure of really following Christ the way He desired We lose opportunities that God is putting right in front of us. Petty things. They rob us of seeing those kind of opportunities. And and we're going to see more today. A joy. A joy that we can have. When we get out of the petty stuff and see God's stuff, there's joy there. And the partnership we can have. The linking arms with other people. And being in the battle with other people. See, petty things push that away from us. Hebrews chapter 12. Let me just start here. Verse number 2 is what I'm going to read. It says this, looking to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus, our example. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' example of of really seeing life for what it is and understanding that our new life in Christ, if you're in Jesus today, you need to live out what Hebrews 12 said. If you're in Jesus today and the Spirit of God is in you, you and I are to look to Jesus We are to look to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who shows us what it is to truly live his design. You see, if you're in Christ today, you've been born twice, right? If you're in Jesus, you've been born twice. You're born once, you know what, 30 years ago, whatever that was, okay? You're born once, and then you live that life, and then there'll come a time when you were born again. You were born again. You've been double born. In that in that second bornness, in that newness, you're now a new creature. You're a brand new creature. And with that new creaturehood comes a new vision, comes a new ability to see things. Before you were born again, you couldn't help but see the petty things. Your eyes were drawn like a magnet to the petty things. But now that you're in Christ. God has given you new eyes, a new mind, a new heart. And so now you can see things that you didn't see before. And Jesus shows us that. Today what we're going to do is we're going to look to Jesus. We're going to practice what Hebrews 12 says. And we're going to watch Jesus demonstrate what the new life looks like. And then we're going to read how he took his example of sharing himself and used it to teach his followers. You get our game plan? And my point is this. We are to walk as Jesus walked. 1 John 2, six. Live our life in the way that Jesus lived his life. And so what we see in Jesus today, as we look at this account of a true conversation he had, what we see in Jesus, the Spirit of God wants to emulate that same activity in our lives. This is the plan that God has for us. To find it, go with me to John chapter 4. That's our main passage today. I know I took it Hebrews 12. We're going to camp out at John chapter 4. Now, this is a familiar passage, but honestly, I'm going to breeze through the familiar. Okay, We're going to fly through the familiar. If you're not familiar yet, you will be, I assure you. We're going to breeze through the familiar to get to what Jesus had to say to his followers and learn from that. Now, this example in John chapter 4 that we're going to look at here, this example that Jesus gives us of, of sharing himself with people, often it's called the woman at the well. The account of Jesus and the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. Okay, in John chapter 4, are you with me? So you can see in verses 1 through 26 is the the account of this interaction. We're not going to take the time to read all of 1 through 26. I'm going to just kind of tell you the story, and then we're going to jump into verse number 27. Okay, but let's read a little bit of verse number one so we really get the flavor of what God is communicating. Verse number one. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, the Baptist, that is. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Now, listen. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Now, that is moving north. Jesus left Judea. You can look at Jerusalem on that map. And he went towards Galilee north. In verse number 4, he had to pass through Samaria. Now, that's a very important statement in John chapter 4. It says, that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Now, we can debate what made him have to pass through Samaria, but he did. And that's a significant event as we see the rest of the account. We need to understand exactly what that means. You see, Jesus was a Jewish man, as were all of his apostles. They were raised in a Jewish culture. They were raised with the Jewish scripture. And they were raised in a Jewish understanding. And that culture affected them. And just to the north of Judea was a region of Israel called Samaria. You can see it there on that map. It's circled. See it? Samaria. Now, Samaria had a very rich history, just like Judea, just like the rest of Israel. But I want to share with you just briefly some of the, the cultural dynamics that are going on between Jesus and those that he will encounter in Samaria. The story I want to tell you at this time is 700 years old. What I'm going to tell you happened 700 years before Jesus is having this conversation. Think about that now. 700 years. What was happening here 700 years ago? Native Americans running around here in the woods, right? 700 years prior, the Assyrians had invaded Israel. And when they came, they came as a judgment of God on the nation of Israel. If you want to learn about that, you should be part of our focus group about the 12 minor prophets. You should learn about what was going on during that time that, God brought, that brought God's judgment upon his people. The short answer is they'd abandoned God. So God brought the Assyrians, another nation of people, into Israel and conquered them. And when they came, they came with terror. And terrorized they did and what they did is they, they brought this judgment of God into the people of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel. And what the people of God did is they, they violated God's command. They, they didn't repent. They continued to violate God's command, and they abandoned God. God's people, when, when he brought the Assyrians to them, they abandoned God, and they took on the Assyrian gods. And what happened is what happens over and over and over again when God's people just drift off a little bit, when they just drift off just a little bit from what God intended. What, what people do is they take a little bit of God's stuff and a little bit of anti god stuff and they put it all together into an ugly little ball of junk. Okay, And they, they combine the two and the Assyrians had done that. And so now what we have is to the south, we have the Jewish people, Jesus and the 12 apostles, who are following God and his word and, and trying to obey him and trying to know him and trying to love him. And just north of him, we have the Samaritans who now have this kind of hybrid religion. Just, just, as you, just for your information, they, the Samaritans still exist today. There's a picture of them right there. There are still Samaritans, in this very region today. They're very small in number, just a few hundred, okay? Let me tell you what their beliefs are. You'll find this interesting, all right? Let me tell you what their beliefs are. They have five core main beliefs. Here's what they believe. One, there is only one God. They're monotheistic. Sounds familiar, right? I want you to listen how close this is to Judaism, to the Jewish religion. One, there is only one God, okay? That's something that they believe. Their second main belief is there is only one prophet, They believe it's Moses. Their third belief is there is only one book, the Pentateuch. That's all that they follow, the Pentateuch. Their fourth belief is there is only one place where God wants them to worship. It's called Mount Gerizim. Interesting. Where did the Jews believe they were supposed to worship? In Jerusalem. They took these two beliefs and they combined them. And they're worshiping at Mount Gerizim. And the fifth of their five main beliefs is there's coming one day, one Messiah. And they're still waiting. They're still waiting. How sad. These people, we're talking something that happened 2,700 years ago. When this this Jewish religion that many people were really truly following Christ and looking for the Messiah got mixed up in their belief, and they're off on many things, but they're still waiting for a Messiah. They don't know that Jesus already came. They don't know that. They need to hear. They need to be told that Jesus has come, the Messiah has come, The Christ has already come and delivered them from their sin. Now what had happened, because of this sort of you know, situation in Israel, There is animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. So it's significant in verse number 4 when it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. You know what most good Jewish people would have done in that day? They would have left Jerusalem and they'd have turned right. They'd have turned east and traveled 20 miles east And then turned north and went all the way up to Galilee and then back over east. That's what a good Jewish rabbi would do. But Jesus wasn't just a rabbi. He's the Messiah. And so so through Samaria he went. Let me tell you about the conversation. He meets a woman there. It's an amazing story. She comes in the middle of the afternoon, 12 o'clock. She comes carrying a container for water. And Jesus meets her there. And he says to this woman that should have never have happened. He should never have been speaking to this woman. First of all, she's a woman. He's a man in that culture that doesn't happen. Secondly, she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. They shouldn't speak. Third, she's a sinful woman, as we will find shortly in the passage. He's a rabbi. They should never, ever speak. But Jesus meets her at the well. He says, will you give me something to drink? Will you give me some water? And then there's this conversation that goes on between this woman and Jesus. And it's so loving of Jesus. He engages in this conversation with this woman who who has lived a sinful life, who's not in Christ, who culturally is divided from Jesus, who who they're separate, they, they shouldn't even interact. And here's Jesus showing her love. It's a beautiful story. And in verse number 16, jump in there with me, okay? After this, this account, Jesus says to her, in verse number 16, "Go, call your husband and have him come here." So He invites her to, to call her loved one and come be with them. The woman in verse 17 says, "I have no I have no husband." And Jesus said to her, "You are right in saying, "I have no husband." For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true, and the woman now knows this is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary man. She says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, but that's not enough. It's not enough for you to know that Jesus is a good man. It's not enough for you to know that Jesus is a prophet. It's not enough for you to know that, that the Bible is true. It's not enough for you to know that Christianity is, is right. It's not enough for you to know that Jesus is the Christ. That's not enough. So Jesus keeps going. He keeps going. Look down with me just to forsake a time. Verse 25, or 24 that is. Jesus says to her, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman now, because of her belief system, one God, one prophet, one book, one place to worship, one coming Messiah. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ. She gives the Jewish Word for, for what, for, I'm sorry, that's the Greek word for what, what the, who the Messiah is. When he comes, he would tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now that's not all the story, but that's where this part ends. And something amazing happens. She becomes a new creature. Boom. Brand new, born again. Let me tell you, that's not all that happens. In heaven, there's a celebration. Luke chapter 15, verse number 7 says that when one sinner repents, the angels in the presence of God celebrate. So there is a celebration. When this woman, who'd lived a sinful life just like me and just like you, when she received Christ, she became a new creature There was a celebration in heaven. Her eternity is set. And God has started a work that He will complete. Folks, this is what God intends for us to be living in our life. This is the new life. What Jesus is modeling, this is the new life. You, me, out sharing Him with other people. This is the new life. It's it's not just for me as a pastor. It's not just for somebody as a missionary in some far off land, it's you. At your well. It's you at your water cooler. It's you at your community. It's you in your situation pointing to him. This is what the new life is. This is the thing that brings us up above the petty things. Oh, don't you get so tired of petty things? Oh, I do. I tell you, I do. I get so tired of petty things. So I got to be reminded. I got to be reminded to bring my vision up, to lift my eyes up from the ground, from the pettiness. Lift my eyes up and see. And that's where Jesus goes. And that's really what my main point is for today. What comes next? So let's read it. Verse number 27. Just then, this is such a great account. Just then, his disciples come back. Can you see them? I mean, they're all like, you have got their fingers up their nose and they're tripping all over each other. They've, they've been sent off to get food. And here they come. They're like, okay, Jesus, we got what you want. Here they come. Okay, They, they come stumbling back into the area. All right, They come back. And they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, who do you seek or what are you talking with? They didn't have the courage to do that. But they're all thinking it. In their heart, they can't not believe that Jesus is having this conversation. But they don't have the guts. They don't have the backbone to go ahead and say, what are you doing? But they're thinking it. They're thinking it in their heart. Like every single person outside of Christ would think, what are you doing talking with that kind of person? What are you doing? Don't you know who she is? Don't you know what she is? What are you doing? Petty, 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 pettiness. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town, and they were coming to him. Do you see it in your mind's eye? See Jesus, see the 12 apostles, fingers up their nose, okay? Food there with them, all right? And now here come these, this, this group of people, all right? They're, they're coming now from these, this town in Samaria, and they're now working their way towards Jesus because the woman came, and, they, and she proclaimed who he was. And so now here they come. They're coming in masses now, folks. If you read the rest of the passage, I'm not going to get there today. There's a revival in her hometown. There is a revival in her hometown. The Samaritans this day, I mean the gates of heaven open up to them. And there is a Samaritan party in heaven that day. Because so many Samaritans trusted Jesus. Sinners repenting and God is celebrating. But not the apostles not the disciples. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat, eat. They want him to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Now the disciples, they they pull off, and they they said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Who, Who did this? Who? Who snuck away and got Jesus a happy meal, right? Who who did this? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then come the harvest. Look, as Jesus pointed. Look, he said. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor, but others have labored. And you have entered into their labor. Just to finish what happened, just, just so you know, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And it was pretty simple. You know what she said? This is, this, is her, this is her testimony, folks, that are sharing your testimony next week at baptism. Here was hers. He told me all that I ever did. You just share your story next week. You that are being baptized, you just share your story, and God will do work. Now, let's let's learn now, okay? See, Jesus here is is teaching a lesson, and, and here's the main point, that new life is all about seeing reality. It's all about seeing reality. Let, let me show you this, okay? See this today, because it's so important for us so that we don't get bogged down in the pettiness of this world so that our eyes can be lifted up. we got to see reality. First of all is this. Notice what Jesus says. In verse 31, he says, now, I mean, they're wanting to eat, right? They're saying you need to eat. And Jesus says, i got food to eat that you don't even know about. Here's what I want us to understand, what Jesus is saying. When we follow Christ and we live out his purpose, folks, there is refreshment in Jesus that far exceeds any meal you're ever going to have. There is a refreshment in Christ. When you and I minister as Jesus leads us, we're following him now. There is refreshment that comes our way. When When we're following him and pointing people to him, The disciples are saying, you got to eat, Jesus. you got to eat. And Jesus is saying, man, I don't need food. I need to follow God. I've experienced that refreshment. I'll tell you the honest truth. I'm experiencing it right now. Right now. You know, I love to share God's word. And here's the honest truth about me. I'm a timid individual. I truly am. Listen to our podcast the next couple weeks. You'll hear us talk about that. I'm a timid guy. But there's some moments where God's refreshing work comes and no food will do. No food will do. Be careful, folks. Be careful. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all who labor. Hear the word of God. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know something? Let me tell you a little clue that I've figured out about my new life. When I'm feeling burdened, when I'm feeling stretched out and drawn out, When I'm feeling like, man, I need a sabbatical, I need to really get away from God's work. You know what my problem is? I'm hooked into the wrong yoke. I'm hooked into the wrong yoke. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I hear people, they say things like this. Oh, Pastor Lowell. You know, I, I'm, I'm really getting drawn, I'm ministering and, and telling me about Jesus and pointing people to Jesus. It's really draining me. Wrong yoke. Wrong labor. This is refreshing. New life satisfies. It doesn't just appetize. This isn't something I just add. I don't just add this to everything else I'm doing. New life is all I'm doing now. I'm a new creature, and it's not because I'm a pastor. Oh, I dare you to say that to me, okay? Don't tell me that. Number one, I was doing this before I was a pastor. I discovered that before. Secondly, the mass number of Christians are not and will never be in vocational ministry. So if this only applies to people in vocational ministry, then the Bible's not written for the mass quantity of people, which we know isn't true. It's meant to equip you, to build you up. Ministry fuels. It doesn't drain. It doesn't drain, folks. Worship revives us. It doesn't deplete. I hear people tell me, You're like, oh, Pastor Lowe, I've had such a hard week. I've had such a difficult week. I just couldn't come to church and worship. You're missing it. They're missing it. That's like like going to a doctor who says you need to take this, you need to do this, you need to do that. You say, you don't understand, doc. I can't do all that. I'm too sick. I'm too sick. I can't do that. No. Worship, living out new life, it refreshes us. The disciples can't figure it out. They're saying, where'd you get your food? Who fed you? And Jesus said, you know what? I ain't got time to eat, right? I don't have time to eat. There's people here. Look. And that's my next point urgency. The urgency. Let's go down our line there. Thank you. Urgency is there. Look what he says. So the disciples said to one or has someone brought him food? Jesus said, my food is due to the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months, then come the harvest. I say, look, look. Folks, there is an urgency in this mission. We can't wait. We can't wait. We are not, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Jesus could come back this very day. Just this morning in the Teen Focus group, this is what I'm teaching right now at the Teen Focus. Pastor Billy's allowing me to teach the teens for a couple months, and I love it. And we're talking right now about the fact that Jesus is coming back. And here's the word that I, I challenge to your teenagers about Jesus coming back. You know when he's coming back? Next. Next. That's when he's coming back. Next. It's the next thing to happen on God's prophetic table. It's next. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. Jesus is saying you don't wait for 4 months. We're not waiting for the right time. We're not waiting for the right circumstances. We're not waiting for you to build up enough relationship. He's saying, "Look, the fields are white with harvest." I think he was pointing at their white shirts by the way. I think he was pointing I think they were wearing white. And here they came. He said, "Look at them, folks. They're white with harvest." Urgency. He's coming back. God is not slow in keeping his promise as some count slowness. This is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He is waiting. He is waiting. Some people say, oh, God said he was going to come back. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 4. People are saying forever that God's going to come back. Listen, he's going to come back. He is waiting. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for repentance. There are people out there. There are people out there that the moment is urgent for them. They need to hear the gospel because God's going to draw them to himself. Share. Urgency. 35B, look at that one. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes, see that the fields are white for harvest. This is opportunity. The opportunity is there. Folks, there are people right now, you have You have relationships with people that you're not guaranteed to have that in a week, in a month. You know, when you've lived as long as you know some of us have, you know things change. Things change. There are people that worshiped with us just a few months ago. And for one reason or another, they don't anymore. There's there's people that worked with you just a couple weeks ago. They don't anymore. There's people on your team. The season's going to end. And let me tell you, all those graduation speeches, they're all lies. You're not going to talk to them after high school graduation. It's not going to happen, okay? It It doesn't happen. You graduate, and you never see them again. The moment is urgent. It's urgent. Now is the time. I need to quit delaying because Jesus told me to told me to. This is his words to us. Look, the harvest is ready. The opportunity is there. And then see this, see this. I I find this interesting. He says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages. This is God. God is receiving these wages. He's receiving these people who are glorifying him. Stay with me. And gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. There is joy when we enter into God's plan. There is joy. Are you discouraged? Are you depressed? Are you down? Jump into his plan. There's joy there. Are are you just run down with life? Are things really pulling you into the gutter? Are you just so sick of all that's happening? Jump into his plan. There is joy there when we see this urgent opportunity refreshed by Christ, we have the joy of seeing him work. There's nothing like seeing a birth. I won't, you know, share all the gory details. Ah, maybe I will. I'm sitting here with this guy. Life has been really hard for him. He's dying. He knows it. I know it. I've been sharing Christ with this guy literally for years. And we sat there. Him looking back in with a gaunt face. His chemotherapy literally killed him. And I said, so what do you think? Are you ready to receive Jesus? And he said, "Loa, I, I am, I am." And there, in that little office, he trusted Christ, and I saw a birth. I saw, a, I saw a birth, and it was it was awesome. And I, I mean, that, there, I'm talking something that happened years ago, and, and I feel my eyes welling up with tears over the joy of that experience, rejoicing together. Okay, verse 36 is talking about this joy. Look at verse 37. For here the saying holds true. One sows, another reaps. Can I just mention the whole process here of what God is doing? You don't know what God is doing. There's a process. Some people are, are sharing Jesus. Some people are ministering to kids down the hallway right now. There's, there's people, well, actually not this morning, but earlier, okay? No, they're down there. They're down there. Yeah, they're down there. Just not the children's church. They're here. But some people are ministering down the hallway, okay? And it's a process, and it's a team effort. And some people are, are teaching right now about Jesus, and some people are out there telling their neighbors about Jesus, and some people are, are leading us to worship Jesus, and some people are teaching believers about Jesus, but it's a whole process. And some wrote, some sow, and some reap, and God is doing this, this phenomenal work. And there is a joy in this process together. Some of us need to find a new friend to be in the foxhole with, though, quite honestly. We need to find a new friend in the foxhole. Because there's a battle raging, okay? There's water rising, Houston. And, and we need to get above that, lift our eyes up. We need the people that are in the foxhole with us who are serious about pointing people to Christ. Because that's a whole process. And then just to finally, just to wrap up, the verse 39. Samaritans, many, not two, not one more, but many from that town believed in them because of the woman's testimony. L- let's just read what happened. So when the Samaritans came to him, look at this. They asked him to stay with them Because, see, that's what believers want. They want to be with Jesus. They want to be with Jesus. They want to be with other new creatures. He asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. This wasn't his original plan, but he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, as awesome as that was. For we have heard for ourselves And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. The last thing I just want to say here is this. When we we follow Jesus' example and we we see reality, okay? We lift our eyes up from the petty things. We lift our eyes up. We've, We've got all those things that are laid out. Refreshment and there's this urgency of now in our life and there's there's opportunity that we see, and there's joy, and and there's this whole process that's going on and we can trust it. But listen to this. There's also a legacy. There's a legacy. And that's kind of what I want to challenge you with, honestly, for the next year, Centerpoint Bible Church. That's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you to share your life to share your life and leave a legacy behind you. Share your life with other people. Share your life with those that God brings across your way. Share your life with your church. Share your life with your believing friends. Share your life with people who need Christ. Open up the floodgates of your life and allow Jesus now to work through you and leave a legacy. One more story. I'm up at our old office. If you don't know anymore, we're no longer up here at the office. We lost it, but we're still functioning, okay? with The building that we were in is sold out beneath of us, but Center of Bible Church is still moving forward, Lord willing. Don't forget our congregational meeting afterwards today. I'm sitting up there at my office a couple months ago. Knock on the door. I go open the door up. It's this young man, no longer a young man. It's a middle-aged man now. But the last time I saw him, He was a young man, a punk young man. You know that kind? I mean, he has good qualities, but overall, he was struggling. Now he's in his mid-30s. He sat down with me and told me about the last 15, 20 years of his life. Ups and downs, just like yours, okay? Very successful young man now, after some pits. Very successful in his career, in his life. But he said, but, Lowell, you know what my greatest joy is? I said, what? What's what's your greatest joy? He said, remember how we used to get together? Like you and me, and he named about four or five other guys. And we would just get together like at McDonald's, and and you'd try to teach from the Bible and just try to explain to us, you know, stuff about Jesus. I was like, yeah, I do remember. And those were tough days. He's like, I know, we were goofing off and, and, you know, I know. He said, but I'm doing that now. I'm doing that now with guys who serve under me. I'm doing that now. And I thought, wow, that is God's grace. It's God's grace. The grace was this, that he allowed me to bump into this kid again, okay? And to just encourage me forward, to encourage me forward to have joy. And I want you to have that joy. To have refreshment. I want you to have that. To know that there is urgent opportunity. It's now. It can't wait. And to really it encourage me to keep sharing. Life and leave a legacy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this truth. God, may we lift our eyes up and see what you're doing. God, you are so good. You win people to yourself. Lord, you make us new creatures, give us new purpose. You rise our eyes above the pettiness, Lord. And I pray that that anyone here that's been down in that muck. God, that you'd encourage them today and they would see that you are on the move. You're on the move. May we join with you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.